Hello, friends. Welcome to Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I've not done one of these pods in a long time because I haven't actually had the chance to interview anybody. But today, with all the weirdness due to Luka Doncic's injury, I wanted to bring on an actual honest-to-goodness expert in my friend Jeff Stotts, who runs uh, the website In Street Clothes. And he also has a podcast with Brian Sutterer, also called In Street Clothes, where they do kind of a, you know breakdowns about injury news around the sports world. Jeff, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I wish I wasn't the most popular guy in uh, Dallas Mavericks media right now. I'm tired tired of talking about the calf. I wish we weren't talking about the calf, but um, I think you call it a calf catastrophe. We've seen it all kinds of different things, and I call calf it the crisis, gate, if you will. So I called it the crisis in Afghanistan. Which is <laughs> that's tremendously a, that's a good one. terrible. I like that one. Yeah. So, so before we start, could you give our listeners a little bit of background because you have been doing this for a while? But I want—I just want them to understand, you know, sort of what it is you do and sort of your, you know, bona fides. Yeah. So I'm an athletic trainer by trade. That's that's the real gig. Um, I have my master's degree in athletic training. Spent some time with Texas Tech basketball in graduate school, and kind of always wanted to be in the NBA as far as athletic training, but I met a girl and changed my <laughs> life story a little bit. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for those guys because the and girls, because it's the, it's a lifestyle, you know, and committing to be in the NBA, whether it's an assistant athletic trainer, head athletic trainer, physio, whatever you are, it's a lifestyle. You're there nearly 24 seven. Mm-hmm. And I kind of shifted my focus a little bit more towards, uh, something that was going to be a little more family friendly. And, uh, but I always kind of had this itch to kind of stay in the NBA realm. I I just love the games too much and uh, started writing for Rotowire as their injury analyst with a focus initially on basketball. So I was like doing the old Mavericks, uh, like player news updates. So any of those like fantasy updates you got on, on a player, that was me writing the <laughs> writing. Which is pretty amazing they, because in those days there's just I, I think younger people and our podcast is I, I'm pretty sure people under 35 in a lot of circumstances. I don't think they understand how rare like information was hard to come by as recently as six to eight years ago. And now it's like and so it's like what you did was like an honest to goodness service for people who are just like scouring for updates. <laughs> Yeah, and it was breaking down box scores, noticing trends. Like, you know, if Devin Harris had a good four or five game stretch, I was trying to talk about it for fantasy players. So maybe, you you know, consider adding him. And, but I wanted to do more. And so once I took over as the injury analyst for Rotowire doing football, basketball, and baseball, I kind of noticed that there was just some real holes in reporting what was out there in regards to injuries, because I was really struggling to find something and noticed, talked to a couple of people and including Will Carroll, who was kind of the guy for injuries in baseball. And he said, you need to be the guy for basketball and you need to start your own site. You need to have something besides just, you know, fantasy sports to talk about when it comes to injuries. So I didn't want to just start a blog. I wanted to kind of have something to hang my hat on. And so I took that deficiency in the market that I saw and, and decided I was going to kind of change it. And so I, over a two year period, built an NBA injury database. And I started with the Mavs. I did all the players on that, the, the championship team, because it was, I, I started in 2012 is when I did it and historically built backwards every player's injury profile. And then it was like, okay, that was easy. Let's go with uh, 
all all stars for teams. And then it was like, okay, that wasn't too bad. Let's go everybody from the last five years. And the next thing you know, I'd cataloged every injury back to 05, 06. And the reason I picked that date was because that was when the inactive list moved from, um, you know, a minimum five games to an, a, a game-to-game basis with that new CBA. So you get a better snapshot of, of injuries and how long they have. Because before that, you would have, you know, rookies that weren't going to be in the rotation placed on the IL and missing Mm. 60 games due to an ankle sprain or something like that, even though they weren't necessarily really injured. So um, I still have like, so for like Dirk's career, I have all his injuries recorded. You know, I have, I have a lengthy <laughs> list for Dirk, but uh, launched the site in 2000 and prior to the 2013 season, I 13, 14 season and just kind of gained some traction through that. And, noticed that people were really interested in what I had to say. And so just kind of have I think that's a little minor is that I do have a background in medicine. So I'm, I know what I'm looking for. I know what I'm trying to analyze. And, you know, we've, I've, I've turned it into a little side business with a consulting firm. Uh, we do some do work for different teams and, and different organizations and things like that. But then, you know, just trying to educate the public. It's really what Brian and I try to do on the podcast, what I try to do with my tweets and the website. And and again, my heart is with the NBA. So it's always going to be NBA centric for sure. Well, geez. Okay. See, I've just for full disclosure, right. I've talked to Jeff about this before, but it's like high key. One of the most interesting, he's one of the most interesting people that I talked to about this because when you find a market niche in a market that is so saturated it's hard it's really impressive to me so what have you seen kind of change about both like how the nba requires um injuries to be reported along with just sort of how teams um treat you know uh just injuries and things like that during your time covering this well it's an ever-evolving process you know part of it is kind of getting your decoder ring out and trying to figure out what's going on because mm. there's, there's so much middlemen, right? So the team is putting out a report and that's easy because you're getting straight from the mouth. But when you're getting sources say, or in, you know, secondary reports from people that aren't used to medical terminology, you know, you'll see a sprain listed as a strain. And so just, just for a tip out there, you cannot have an ankle strain when you're talking <laughs> about an ankle sprain and you can't have, you know, there is no hamstring sprain. It's a strain. And so that one little letter trips everybody up, but it, they're, they're two different injuries. It's a ligament injury versus a muscular injury. So, you know, it's, it's things like that. Another thing Brian and I was talking about is, you know, when meniscus injuries occur, and we, we saw this in Dallas with, with Porzingis's injury, you know, just because the press release says they had the injury repaired, doesn't mean they necessarily did a true repair. Um, doesn't mean that they, uh, went in and actually fixed it. They might've done a meniscectomy where they took out the removal. It's just reported as a, a, a repair. And so again, you're trying to decode that a little bit, but as, as time has progressed, we've gotten an improvement. Uh, you know, the, the league puts out those hourly injury reports, even just last year, it was, you know, I think four or five times a year, but now we're getting uh, active, um, uh, hourly active updates and those kinds of things, but who's going to be in. And, and whatnot. So, you know, it really just depends uh, kind of what you're looking for. And that's where I, I say I'm, I'm valuable because I, I know what I'm looking for. <laughs> well, and now we're going to get to what many of our people have already read, but we, we just, I, I, I could, could you walk me through what a calf strain actually means? 
Yeah, so strain is just indicative of a muscular-related injury, right? It can be a tendon, it can be a muscle. So we know, this is kind of what we're talking about Luca right now. We know, we know what we know, and we don't know what we don't know. What we do know is a calf injury, meaning the calf muscle complex was strained. So the calf isn't just one muscle, it's multiple muscles. It's three muscles, and they have a conjoined or shared tendon in the Achilles. Everyone knows what the Achilles is. Mavs fans are unfortunately too familiar with it with Dwight Powell and J.J. Barea, but the muscle complex is multiple muscles. And so it's, it's a complex injury. And the hamstring is the same way. The hamstring is three muscles. The quadricep is four muscles. The rotator cuff is four muscles. These are all muscle complexes. And so we, we know Luca has strained, meaning overloaded in some form or fashion, because that's where the word strain comes from is the muscle mm-hmm. tissue has been strained and, and an injury has occurred. What we don't know is what severity of that. And that's really what I think we were all hoping for at some point today was that they were going to come out and say, Oh, he's got a grade one or grade two strain. Unfortunately, even the latest update didn't really give us much. So we're just trying to read the tea leaves a little bit there. Well, and, and so on understanding that, and you've watched Luke a lot, like you're a Mavericks, you know, watcher. What, what does a calf strain, even if it's extremely mild, what sort of movements does he do that something like this would limit or call it make more painful? So with Luca, you know, the big thing to remember with the, with the calf is it's a two, two joint muscle. So it influences both the knee and the ankle. Okay. And then the calf particularly is extremely valuable in acceleration and deceleration. So what was the, one of the things we heard about? how amazing Luca was coming out. You know, I think it was P3 said he had one of the best like acceleration decelerations. They compared it to Harden, right? Where does that that's what's going to be problematic with this injury. And hopefully it is just a low grade strain where that <laughs> the time between now and, and game one or even game two, if they decide to opt out, you know, hold him out, um, that area improves enough to not only have the symptoms subside, but to be functionally uh, uh, capable and, and have full range of motion, full strength and, and no limitations on his game. So the, then kind of the, the third thing I wanted to follow up on is what, <laughs> how much of this is about Luke about protecting Luka Doncic from himself? Because ma- many basketball fans are obviously sort of very familiar with what happened to Kevin Durant, where he had a calf issue and then he ended up tearing his Achilles. And that's something I've heard on and off all day today from people who are really like into NBA basketball. And I have, I simply have no idea because I don't, you know, I, I know the two things are related, but I don't know like how much is correlation or how much is the fact that KD is just like built like an ostrich. Like I, you know, I don't really like Lucas, just his body type. I mean, he's like a, he's Rob Gronkowski. His body is just so different than most NBA players. And I, I just, I don't know how any of that stuff actually works in, in terms of like the kinetic chain. So it, it's a balance, right? Like like you said, you mentioned the kinetic chain. Every Think of it like a chain, right? One weak link is going to assume – the other links are going to assume additional stress. Mm-hmm. So you've got, to, you've got to be extremely careful with, with this. And, and where you see a lot of problems with the lower extremity injuries are that scar tissue builds up, the athlete reports feeling better, but the, the muscle tissue is still not as strong as healthy muscle tissue. So that, that scar tissue gets disrupted and you start the whole healing process over again. Uh, 
So it, it's a fine line to walk. It's it's definitely going to be something that I know the Mavericks take into consideration. Uh, they they're going to exhaust all their options to make sure that he's healthy for the short term and the long term. They know what he means to the franchise. The the Kevin Durant thing, the comparison is a little bit frustrating for me because there have been plenty of calf injuries that have not resulted right, most. I mean, in, in Achilles probably tear. Most. <laughs> I, I, like yeah, absolutely. Tears. I mean, we we probably see one to two Achilles Achilles tears a season, somewhere around that average. It's it's gone up in the recent seasons, uh, really kind of dating back to like 2016. We had a little spike where we had a lot of of Achilles. All, all kind of close together. But the thing for me is we probably have, I mean, I probably have 200 plus calf strains recorded in my, my database dating back to 0506. And, okay. And that's, that's, that's a huge amount, right? There have been at least, I think 14 this year, 10 that kind of met the requirements for when I was comping them to Luca. Uh, but you know, some that occurred in the preseason or some were quote unquote season eight, like Jeremy Grant in Detroit, right? Like he just, his season ended with a calf strain. Yeah. Now did, how severe was that calf strain? Were they just holding him out to tank yeah. or they, were they, you know, we don't have a return to play date for him. So, so we kind of exclude that when it comes to evaluation and comparing and those kinds of things. So um, just because you strain your calf does not mean you're going to tear your Achilles. And uh, it, it is, is it an increased risk factor? Yes. But, uh, you know, you control and mitigate your risk. And the Mavericks medical staff is extremely good at that. You look at some of the previous guys they've had that have had calf strains and, you know, they've bounced back well. They're they're actually below the, the league averages of this year when, with regards to how the Mavs have historically handled calf strains. So that's a little bit of encouraging news for those Mavs fans that are super, super nervous right now. This has been, this aspect of it has been great. I mean, I've, you know, the, it's it's like a grieving process where you cover basketball this intensely and the fans who watch all the games to get to the 99% mark only for something to go sideways. And it's a little bit disappointing, but it doesn't mitigate, you know, the season. So that that understanding that and, you know, understanding you, you're, you're, you're a bit of a Mavs fan. Do, what are what are your thoughts on this season? So have have you gotten to watch a ton kind of since the Porzingis trade? Because that you know that's really we're we're talking mid February on. How much of them have you been able to see? I mean, I watch a ton of basketball, and the Mavericks are the local station here, so you know I watch oh. a ton of Mavericks. So um, you know, even though I have league pass, you know, <laughs> I'm bouncing around and, and Dallas is, and, and I'm a Dallas from Dallas originally. So grew up in Dallas, had season tickets growing up. I mean, I was in the building in 06 for, home, you know, maybe used to paint up all the time for when Cuban <laughs> had the painted fan section. That's amazing. So, I, mean, we, I, <laughs> I, I have been a long time Mavericks fan. Um, and so yeah, I keep a close eye on them. I mean, it's just it's kind of hard to not root against. And and they're to be honest, they're my my kids' favorite team. So both ah, my kids yeah. have Luca, Luca jerseys. My daughter loved Dirk, and she got to watch him his last couple couple game a couple seasons. She was in the building when he passed Wilt, and she I mean was near tears. It was really cool to see kind of pass that along to her. And so, uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of them, and it's been fun since the KP trade watching them play. Have that third ball handler out there, having Dinwiddie and Brunson and Luca, just the overall attitude of the team seems a little bit lighter. Um, things seem to just be moving a little bit smoother all around. So, you know, you're hoping that some of that carries over 
uh, if they have to, you know, sit, miss a game with Luca or if Luca sits out, they have to play a game. You know, I, I guess if you were trying to ask me, I think game one would be probably the game you want him to miss if he's going to miss a game because maybe, you know, Utah's not prepped necessarily and maybe you can catch him off guard. It unfortunately stinks that you're, you know, you work so hard for home court advantage and now it might be out the window. But, you know, if you can get a split and Luca comes back, then then who knows after that? And, you know, it's they're 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 a fun team to watch. And now, like you said, it's extremely frustrating to for to get to this point of the season, and then all of a sudden, you know, now we're talking about does this alter eighty two games worth of work? Yeah, but I will say that it's kind of remarkable in this season. You know, and like our site, Matters Moneyball, just in general, was very skeptical of Jason Kidd. And one of the things that I've like appreciated about like like Brian Damaris wrote a piece for Dallas or D Magazine the other day where he he said like I understand the skepticism. Which hearing that from like an actual Mavs employee kind of nice because you know kids track records a little bit it wasn't great like we just gotta be honest here it wasn't great and for him to come in and do what he's done with a lot of the same cast of characters that we've seen for three years now is really been interesting because i remember like my colleague josh bow was at the start of the season he's like i just want to get the playoffs i don't have anything interesting to say about this game. <laughs> and instead this team has been so strange and i mean that in a good way because it's just you know, up until December 31st, they were kind of awkward and unwatchable. Like they're 16 and 18. And then all of a sudden they just started playing a little bit better and the pieces built and the pieces built. And it for, for, you know, watching the post championship Mavericks, there wasn't a lot of pieces being built. It was a lot of like things getting stuck together with plaster and then hoping that it like, that it actually worked. And it's just been such an odd experience because I mean, I got real like Rick Carl was like, like the angry dad that I, I never had. So it's just, it, I've just, I've had a lot of fun watching this team, which was not, you know, Luke is amazing, but like it, I, I wasn't expecting to be this kind of enraptured by how interesting they've been. Yeah. Uh, the thing for me with kid is I, I think he learned a lot in LA, you know, I, I think he learned a lot of how to approach the coaching from Vogel which, you know, saying all this on the day Vogel was fired is a little bit odd. But I, I think he really realized he doesn't have to be a, a dictator, you know. Yeah. He doesn't have to be a guy who's constantly barking. He can get the best out of players with positivity, as kind of kumbaya as that sounds. But, I mean, he seems just so even-keeled in everything so far. I mean, it, how long did it take him to get his first technical? You know, like, I just – I think he worked really hard – to be different and then than he was and he to shed some of that uh negativity that was around him you know after that whole Milwaukee expose came out you know and, and everything it just seems so different than what he's done with Dallas at least from what we can tell you know what I mean so uh it, well, like it's, the it's, assistant coaches you, you never I never heard an assistant coach under Rick Carlisle in a billion years except for like Daryl Armstrong every now and again <laughs> and we've heard like the Dallas Morning News had a story with Igor Kokoskov um jared dudley's gone on podcasts like they're there and then sean sweeney who looks like a a a substitute teacher <laughs> is is just been it's like those two are like a yin and a yang and it's just i don't know it's it's such a different experience because like like nelly was the coach of my youth but i sort of like lionize him in a way that probably isn't accurate you know it, just in terms of the stories about him and then rick 
Like I had a bad experience with Rick personally, which seems like multiple <laughs> yeah. people did. And so it's just, this is just, it's really something. And and I don't entirely know what to make of it, which gives me, you know, the fact that they have this, this different front office now with Nico Harrison. And there's just a lot of like, it went from being where, where we at Mavs Moneyball were like, well, how long, how long are we going to hold on to Luca to well, what can we do? Like what can actually be done with this team? And I think that's really fun. Yeah. And you skipped over Avery in there. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Fire, fireavery.com was how I got on the internet, right? Like, like bitching about basketball all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I find that as I look at my shelf over there, and I see Avery's aspire higher book and just can't help but laugh. Um, you know, he, it, it's, it's been a roller coaster and, you know, kid, kid for me was like the first guy right in Dallas. Like my first, I remember watching Blackman and Harper, but like kid was the first guy, like I had a poster of, like I had the Nike sure. kid shoes, you know, and to see that kind of come full circle. And, and my grandmother went to Cal. My, my grandmother was a huge oh, wow. Mavs fan. Like she's the one that actually got me kind of into the game to her and my grandfather. Um, she, I mean, we're talking breaking down pick and rolls with, with, uh, couch cushions, you know, and it was a, very much a family affair for us. That's awesome. And, you know, she unfortunately passed away right before the kid trade when he came back. And like, I just remember like so crushed that she didn't get to see him come back and then win the championship. But, uh, so it's, it's been emotional for me in terms of just seeing kid back with the team, you know, and it's kind of weird to, to say, but you know, I just, I have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of respect to how he's handled himself this year, you know? And I think, like I said, I think there was a lot of effort in that. And I think it was, I think it's deliberate on him uh, on his part that he's trying to be better and a lot of respect for what Rick did, you know? Uh, But I think, you know, I work in sports and it's hard to hear the same voice over and over and over again. And at some point it's just, it just changes and you you need Uh to change. And so you know, Carlisle will forever be linked to Dallas because he brought, brought him the championship. But, you know, I, I think with Luka coming in and the the, the turn the franchise was, was taking, it was time. And I've been pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's been it, – it's been, it, like you said, it's been a really weird season and then a really fun season. Like the whole Brandon Knight, Isaiah Thomas, Marquise, Chris, you know, hardship guys that were rotating in and out and like – I think they Isaiah still have Thomas, 27 guys who have played at least a minute of basketball – like that's yeah. crazy. And like, I, I think you and I talked about it once. I'm like, Isaiah Thomas seemed like the perfect, like it seemed inevitable that he was going to end up on the Mavs. <laughs> like it just seemed like that based on kind of the personnel we've always gotten and then kind of his personality. And then it lasted one game. Like we didn't even get like a full IT experience, you know? Right. So, and then I, I mean the buzzer beater in Sacramento, I was just like, oh, what, what is going on with this team? And then, yeah. And then to do that 180 and just kind of, you know, win 75% of your games after that, you know, it was just, it's been, been a lot of fun to watch and it's made a lot of, uh, a lot of fun mornings. Cause the first thing my kids, you know, did the Mavericks win? Yeah, they won. Okay, good. You know, it starts the day off well when they're winning rather than, Oh no, they lost to the buzzer or no, they, they didn't do well, you know? So it, it's been, it's been a fun season for sure. Well, before I get out, before I uh, let you go, um, do you, do you think the Mavericks have any chance? Let's say Luca, let's just, 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 throw kind of caution in the wind and say, Luca has to miss two games. He has to miss the first two games. Do you, do you think the Mavericks have any chance in that series? If, if that's the case? Uh, yeah. I mean, 
I think it's a puncher's chance, but it's still a chance, right? Uh, you fought for home court for a reason. So hopefully, you know, you you really just need to get to game five with home court. You know what I mean? Like if you get to game five, two, two, you Split know, you gotta... yeah, I like that take. That's a good, because it's, a, and the reason I say those first two games is just kind of splitting the, you know, you've, you've thrown out a lot of like dates and there's like the, the variance in this injury is wild. I'm just like, I'm sitting here saying, okay, what if he misses, you know, 10 days? Like that was kind of where my head went with it. Cause it's like, Oh, I somehow think the NBA will go out of their way to not screw the Mavericks on game two. <laughs> um, Cause it's just incredible. They're playing like the opening game, like of the actual playoffs. So yeah, I tend to think so too. I, I have an odd confidence and you know, I think we're going to find really quickly if the Mavericks have it or not. But the Jazz are just the Jazz give me some bad vibes. I don't know how to explain the, the fourth quarter collapses like they've had. They've there's something like 24 and 24 over their last 48 games. That's hard to do. They were the number one team in the league for a significant period of time. So. Yeah, and you can't underplay injuries there too. You know, losing Joe Ingles for them was huge. Big. You know. Did we look? Um, there we go. And it's different approaches. You good? Yeah, yeah. I just briefly cut out. That's all right. No, so I mean, it, it's really just going to be, you know, uh, they're they're not Utah of last year. You know what I mean? I would have been terrified if this was the team last year. You know, like, you know I mean, like, oh. but you know, it, it's it's an interesting matchup for sure. And if we can get to game, if if the Mavs can get to game five. I said we. I, look at me. You got me back in like full Mavs mode. Um, <laughs> Fish would be proud. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, <laughs> if we can get – if they can get to game five, split, uh, and, and Luca's playing, I'd feel good. You know what I mean? Because that's sure. – you got to win. You got to win something at home. And, and that's really what you play for, right? So uh, it's unfortunate. You know, we – a buddy asked me, you know, Today he was. What's a disappointment for the Mavs now that Lucas hurt? If, if they don't get out of the first round, is a disappointment season. Absolutely, all right. Like we kind of hoped they would at least get somewhere progression in the in the postseason after the last two years. Yep. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm hoping that schedule comes out and they play Tuesday, uh, either for some extra additional recovery time following game. One or one more day off for Luca to bounce back from his hundred percent. Well, Jeff, this has been everything I'd wanted and more. If you have Mavs takes that you want to get off during the playoffs or at any point in the regular season, I really want you to hit me up in the DMs. You and I talk every now and again just to just to say hello. We've not had any injury related reason to talk Mavericks this entire year. <laughs> which is, you know, a good thing. But, you know, if, if you, I understand what it's like to, to like want to talk about something specifically with your work, but then no one cares. So you can't actually talk about those things. So you have a standing invitation to come back here and, and talk Mavericks. Many, many Mavs kind of adjacent media people do that on occasion. Jason Gallagher just like hops on my green rooms that I host, just like yell about Maxi Kleba in the middle of the night. So it's, you know, it's an open invitation. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, that's great, man. All right. I am where we're, your video is basically frozen, which is funny. Um, okay. Check out Jeff on instreetclothes.com, the meeting. It's in the show notes. You can also check out his podcast with Brian 
Sutterer, and it's also linked in the podcast, which I'm going to recommend as well. Um, well, Josh and I'll be back at some point. I don't really know how to talk about the Mavericks right now um, because I don't. It's just there's too much that's weird. We're going to figure something out. Um, but this has been great. Uh, thanks so much, Jeff, and everybody have a good rest of your Tuesday. <laughs>